Thank you for tuning in. We are going to find ourselves in 1 Peter uh, chapter 1, verses 10 through 12 um, as we move forward and, and really continue on in this encouragement series, which the, the theme of this, the, the push of the writing in the letter to the Jewish Christians who are being persecuted at the time is to, to be encouraged, to have the courage to live boldly for Jesus and, and bring God glory and joy by the way in which we live. So we are going to look at some passages of scriptures and, be, and begin to talk about how that all takes place and, and sort of God's advice and direction really through Peter as we move forward. But before we go any further in this encouragement series, we're going to pray together. God, we pray that what we think and do and even realize about ourselves through your leadership of the Holy Spirit, that we will be sensitive and, and, and mindful to that. That because of this time together, one, we'll become more like Christ if we're already Christians, but two, if we're not a Christian and we're tuning in and, and watching this and listening, that we will actually be saved and become a Christian because there are a lot of people that have come before us. You have ordered things so that we would would receive um, salvation, be saved by grace through faith. So Lord, may what happens now be pleasing to you and may we respond in according ways. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So as we look at this series, this encouragement message in First Peter 1 through 12, we're going to look at some specific stuff about Jesus and, and looking at how this is the only way, the one way, the beginning way for our lives to turn out well, for God's glory to take place. Because when you go through hardship and when life gets tough and the job gets hard and relationships get strained, uh, you begin to wonder what is all this for and, and how can I have comfort and confidence to know that things are moving in the direction that God desires and will. So we are going to look at that experience how this turns out, what these scriptures have to say, how God's been able to kind of line these things up and, and ultimately set all of humanity on a path, give all of humanity an option to be able to receive salvation um, through what Jesus Christ has done. Well, well, you know what, you'll just, you'll see. But the one thing will become even more clear in what we do. Um, the one thing says this, that Jesus has been, is now, and always will be Savior of all. This doesn't mean everybody's saved. There's only there. Salvation isn't just um, something that everyone is born with. It's something that we get um, by grace through faith. So when we talk about Jesus being the Savior of all, we're talking about the need and desire to study, love, and 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 live like Jesus. But we're also going to look at this passage of scripture and how this one thing shows us that Jesus has, has always been destined to be and always been decided and always been willed by God to be the Savior of all, which means no, no one is saved by anything else other than Jesus Christ um, through that grace by faith. That's what the Scripture tells us, Old Testament, New. It all points to Jesus Christ. He is the Savior of humanity, and it's up to us to see that. And it's really encouraging, right, when you can have analysis by uh, or paralysis by analysis, which means there can be so many options you don't know what to do. But when there's one good, right choice, I mean, imagine every multiple choice test, um, but it, uh, it always has one answer. You know what they call that? The teacher's key. That's what my teachers had growing up. Man, they always had the textbooks, but they had the answers. I do that for our online Bible study that, that I just facilitate uh, with a group of people uh, on our Thursday nights. Um, there's one form that I make out that is just for the... 
for all those who participate, all those who are part, all, all the friends and family members that are there. They get the questions and allow, but then I have a, a, a leader sheet, a facil- facilitator sheet that has answers filled in. Just kind of helps me keep on track and, and stay focused because I can tend to rabbit trail and, and kind of get caught off on stuff. So it helps remind me of the main thing being the main thing. And uh, teachers have that too. And this particular one thing deals with that. It's reminding us that Jesus is the Savior of mankind, not your works. They don't save you. Not being a good person, that doesn't save you. Um, what saves you is is Jesus. Belief in Him and calling on Him, knowing that He is and confessing that He's the Lord and Savior. So the context we get for these passages of scriptures, which, by the way, if you want to get a fuller context, listen to all the passages, all the messages, all the sermons, um, before and the teachings before this one. And I'll give you full context, but specifically for this, we are going to see um, our, where we are in the great story of God's redemptive plan for humanity. Now, I don't have time to take us from Genesis all the way through Revelations, but basically chapter 3, you get Adam and Eve in the garden and the fruit and the temptation and disobedience and sin entering in, fractures the world, fractures relationships with creation, you know, fractures our relationship with God, and, and the redemptive plan was in place before that, all of that even happened. But what this context is for this passage is going to remind us that we are part of a great plan, that God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, all Christians everywhere, before you knew you needed salvation, they knew it. We all knew it. Like I, before I was saved, other Christians in my life knew I needed salvation. And now I am that same way. When I meet people who aren't Christians, I know they need salvation. And we're going to look and see how God's plan plays out for that. Um, The encouragement part of that is that God has prepared a way, that God has made a way. And that brings about a, a huge sense of relief. It may not ease all of the sufferings that we're going through, um, because some suffering is good, but what it does is it, it comforts us and helps us to know that there's a way through. So let's look at verse 10 in First Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 10. Um, Concerning this salvation, which we've referenced, saved by grace through faith, the prophets who prophesied about that grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So the first thing we see is that, is that the prophets are searching and inquiring, asking of God and and others carefully. That's how they did that. And and I love that mindset because there are times when we can grab the the verse of the day from our um, smart apps and phones and devices. Um, There are times when we we just have a moment to grab before a meeting, a a quick time of prayer. But there is also a time in our life, uh, really each day, that we should carefully search God and his will on these matters. And what I really liked about this, when I first read that, concerning this salvation, Christians, our salvation, for those who are yet to be Christians, your salvation, that the prophets prophesied about that. So so referencing the Old Testament, and I begin to think, well, where did this happen in the Bible? Now, the first place I ran into as I worked back through First Peter that was really super obvious um, was Matthew 13, 17, where the apostles begin to talk about this coming Messiah and Lord and, and the reference there. But then they were referencing, and Jesus was even referencing, um, things along the lines of Isaiah chapter 53, verses 5 through 6 specifically, or Isaiah chapter 52 through 53. Do you know in the Old Testament, Jesus is showing up and he's everywhere? Like Jesus didn't just come on the scene in the book of Matthew. 
Like Christmas isn't the first time that Jesus shows up on the world stage. And we're going to see that in a moment. But what we see here is, is God's making a way thousands of years before you are around. Thousands of years before you, you are born. God makes a way for your ultimate salvation. And I think that's incredibly encouraging. I mean, imagine if someone came to you um, at their work, at your workplace or at home or in a relationship and go, we have been preparing for you and preparing for this and for God's very best for thousands and thousands and thousands of generations. And we have made a way that cannot be deterred. That if you, you commit yourself to walking in this way and living in this way, you will find hardship, but it will be better for you than any other way. And his name is Jesus. And that's what reminds us of the, of the one thing. I want you to see this so importantly because it, it's really the, it's the foundation and the pinnacle, if I could say, of Christianity. Really, the, I like to call it the hinge point of Scripture. Like, you know, you read through the Old and you read through the New, and, and where is it? It's, it's Jesus' incarnation. But what we see here is Jesus has been, so before you, is now, before you, and always will be after you in eternity, the Savior. When we all get to heaven, all Christians go to heaven, and we're all there. Jesus is still going to maintain that moniker. He was, is, will be, this, you know, is the Savior of, of all. That, that statement will become realized. And what he's helping us see is, one, carefully search. And I, I hope you're carefully studying the Bible and carefully searching it out. And um, that's, honestly, it's slowing down. It's slowing down. It's pumping the brakes. It's getting up that little bit earlier, staying up that little bit later. It's carving out more time during lunch, what, however you do that, to just get there and go, Here, here's what I have, a careful study. And I just, I love that because of what comes next. So that, that, let me just prep the foundation. God's preparing that way all through there. Look at verse 11. Verse 11. So verse 11, so he, he builds this in verse 10. They searched and inquired carefully. Verse 10, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ, this is Isaiah 52 and 53, and the subsequent glories. There's a lot in here. What first grabbed my attention in this when you, you talk about encouragement, Jesus being Savior of all, is you, you look at this this approach of the Spirit of Christ. Now we know about the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, but here we see a unique reference to the Spirit of Christ. And and who's telling these prophets and these believers in God all this true information? It's Jesus. Jesus is the one doing it. The Spirit of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus existed before His incarnation. He's the one telling them. They even literally say it in that passage. It's the Spirit of Christ. Not the Holy Spirit. He shows up in the next verse. So what you're seeing here is, before His incarnation at Christmas, and baby Jesus is born, and, and His walking in flesh, the Spirit of Christ is as active in the Old Testament. He's showing up all over the place. And he's speaking to guys like Isaiah, saying, look, there's going to come a Christ. There's going to come. And he's just telling them about himself. There's going to come a Christ who's going to make a way for everyone to be forgiven of their sins, all their wrongdoings, thinkings, and sayings. I'm going to make a way for that. And that's incredibly encouraging because our part in the story is in that time of, of what we call human history, the, the, the time of grace. 
where God is, is giving us time to be saved. And for those of you who are watching who aren't Christians, to, to become Christians, knowing full well that God has made a way for you. God has made a way. And when you know that God's made a way for you in the past to this moment, it helps to alleviate the strain and the stress and the burdens of the now. What are you going to do? How are you going to? I can't possibly get, I can't find a job. I can't fix this relationship. You're right, you can't. After salvation, Jesus and your relationship with Him will begin to work and transform all those areas of your life. So you're seeing in this, one, just from a cool doctrinal teaching, Jesus at work. And you see it predicting His sufferings of Christ and His subsequent glories, which are most, most immediately recognizable as His death on the cross and His resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. That the gospel message is this, Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And he was resurrected from the dead by God's power to show you there isn't anything that God can't do. Anything that God can't do to conquer sin and death. Because he does it in and through Jesus. So now all of your problems begin to shrink. They begin to shrink because you're starting to step back and look at them the way God sees them. And the way that God promotes them. So I would encourage you, remain again we see in verse 11, inquiring the person or time. Do not give up on searching out Christ in the Old Testament. In fact, maybe that's the next devotional you do. God might even be telling you, stop doing the devotional you're doing now and find Christ in the Old Testament. And the New Testament's a little easier because Jesus is literally there, fully God, fully man. But it, it is a wealth of treasure and joy to go back and see Jesus at work at the Old Testament. And I'm talking all the way back to, to Genesis and working and finding your way and doing a study on that. Google it, search it. Find good teachers that you trust that would help you to see where Christ is at work because they have been setting up, and I say they, the Trinity has been working this plan of redemption since before time began. Since before time began. And the sufferings of Christ, here's what's cool about this. The sufferings of Christ are the hardships of the specifically to Jesus, the hardships he faced it, but also it's in reference to the hardships we face. You're already going to face hardships in this world. Not being a Christian will not save you from hardship. You will always suffer in some way. You're never going to be smart enough, fast enough, strong enough, witty enough, wise enough, deceiving enough, you know, evil enough to avoid hardship. There's, there's no way out of hardship in this life. No way. So when we talk about the sufferings of Christ, he's like, look how Christ suffered. And then Christian, Jesus even said it. If, if I'm the savior of the world and they hated me, they're going to hate you even more, believer. Even more, believer. So he puts, puts that out there and goes, look, I know where you are. Jesus knows right where you are. He is not surprised. He is not shocked by your current struggles and sufferings. And in fact, he even says, I've made a way. And I've been telling you that for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. The way's coming and the way's here. And the way's here. But then it talks, cool, don't miss this. The subsequent glory. So suffering first, glories. All my gym people, all my weight people, they know this. My cycling people, they know this. No pain, no gain. You know that. You've heard that. When the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Well, what you see here in this passage of Scripture is like, look, when things get tough, when, when the pain comes and there's going to be pain, there's also subsequent glory. 
there's these glories that come. So for some, uh, well, for all, it's eventually going to be in heaven with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and all the other believers. And, and for now, there are other glories, other things that God does in and through us to spread his name, to increase his renown and truthful awareness of who he really is. I mean, imagine that God using you as an, as an ambassador and as a messenger of his goodness and his strength in times of suffering which is what people need. Our world needs this more now. They need you where you work, worship, live, and just recharge to share Jesus with them. Because many of them don't know that there's any hope at all. Any hope at all. Their heart finds no peace at night. But you can offer that, and we see that here. So you kind of get this summation, right? Uh, well, well, look at the one thing. Again, I just I want to show you this one thing. Jesus has been is now and always will be Savior of all. And what we have gathered from this verse here is, verse 11, is that we see that Jesus was delivered for our offenses. Because why do you crucify someone in the Roman Empire? Because they've offended. They've offended. They've, they've caused some sort of offense. That's why Jesus, he's there for our offenses. But then he's raised again for our big, you know, big Bible word justification. But so that before God, we may be um, justified, justice will be paid so that we can say before him and go, look, it is not my own goodness of why I should stand here, but it is because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The life that he lived, the unblemished, perfect blood that he spilled on the cross, the resurrection, that's what I claim as salvation. Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And we see all of this wrapped up there. And he, and he starts pulling in. You, you see this moment of the prophets looking and then the community begins to grow, right? Because now I'm inquiring of the, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, which is always a good solution. Then he starts to push forward with this whole um, you know, movement of realizing that in this world, as we live in community, we're going to have these sufferings and, and these challenges, which leads us to verse 12. So when it says it was revealed to them, it was revealed to them, the prophets, that, that they were not serving themselves, but you. I mean, isn't, isn't that crazy? But I think you'd be like, well, aren't the prophets serving God? Yeah, Jesus covers this, right? Love the Lord your God with our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbors yourself. Whose models for that? There's a lot in the Old Testament, but it's specifically mentioned here, the prophets. And not just serving you, but he, he's not only just talking to the Jewish Christians of the day, Peter isn't writing them, but he's also talking to us. Like, have you ever thought about that? I mean, that's a God-praiseworthy thing. That Jeremiah and Isaiah and Hosea, major, minor prophets, all those folks were not seeking to serve themselves, but to serve you. To serve you. May don't know you. They don't even know you're going to exist. God knows you. Jesus knows you. Holy Spirit knows you. But they don't know you. And they're giving their life and service to God so that you will have the, the best chance possible to accept salvation, to, to go to Jesus and, and to respond that way. And that's an incredible thought. Whom else has set thousands of years in motion for God's glory to be played out so that you can find Him, come to Him, and respond to Him? No one has. No one could do that. It's impossible outside of God. Yet here he does it. The prophets serve not themselves and others. You. I'll tell you what. If you can remember that, that the prophets, as the scripture says, they serve not themselves but you, you will read the, whole, the Old Testament entirely different. 
you will find a much more because a lot of people get into the province like man these guys are grumpy they are just they're in such pain and suffering it's so hard that it's hard to read but when you realize that they're serving not themselves but you as the bible says and and serving you by promoting god's will out not their own interests serving you so that you may find a way because remember they know you need salvation before you do you will have a new fresh encouraging eye to go this word is for me these, these guidelines and pruning and discipline that the prophets have, that is all so that I will know how to live and move in that world. And that's, you, you basically see them living that out. It, it, it's why we serve, to, to share the good news of the gospel message. That's what it says there. We, we preach the good news to you, announce to you that those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things into which angels long to look. So, so look where we've come here. First of all, you've got the individuals, the prophets just going, man, what's the deal? Verse 10. There's grace that it's going to be and they search carefully. Then it begins to come into this Trinity model where you see Jesus and the Holy Spirit all at work and it's all moving. And you're wondering, what about my problems? What about my concerns? How do I properly celebrate these great joys that are in my life? How do I thank God in a way and realize that? Well, part of it is to acknowledge all that God has done through the thousands of years for humanity. And you realize that your service is all in a multiplication. That your service should help people become closer to God. We exist to bring God glory and make disciples. The Bible is so clear. You do that research, you will come down to that progression. That I exist to bring God glory and make disciples more people who are saved and follow Jesus' ways. And that's the good news we see here. So they realize there's grace for people. They want to share that grace with people that, that they've discovered. And then they go out and then Peter says to those who have preached the good news to you by the Holy Spirit. Which by the way, the Old Testament you see the Trinity at work there too. That's another great... Um, study, but all of those are preaching the good news of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things to which angels long to look. I, I think sometimes we, well, I just know we do, because we probably can't fully value it, but we undervalue salvation and the grace. You know, that's something that happened then. And not that you're not thankful for it, not that it didn't completely transform you and help you in the hard times and in, in the good times, but when we see them preaching the good news to you by the Holy Spirit, these are things that angels long to look at. I mean, which, which is crazy. What gets an angel's attention in heaven? Like what causes them to, to stop doing whatever they're doing and look towards this? And not only this, but look to you at your moment of salvation. To look to you as, as you live it out. And of all of this, we see God's example. So you're like, all right, if Jesus is the Savior, has been, is now, and always will be the Savior of all, what's my response to that? How do I respond looking at these scripture verses with the prophets and relationship with the Trinity and, and all of that taking place and say, one, study Jesus. Study Jesus. Sure, start with the Gospels. Absolutely. Great place to start. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But Jesus is the Word of God. He's all over the Word of God. John chapter 1. Look, I mean, He's everywhere. Study Jesus. Spend your time alone with Jesus. Go, Jesus, help me to know you, to know what you're like, and just see the creative ways he communicates who he is. I would also say, as these prophets were in verses 11 and 12, be the example of truth in love with Jesus as you go out and serve. Man, I'm just gripped by the fact that the prophets um, lived and served God, not for themselves, but for you, for all of us. For us. I mean, that's, that is crazy to think. 
that the the fruit of their labor, the harvest of heaven, is is you and I. Their faithfulness played an amazing role in that, and yours will too. Whether you got kids or not, or grandkids or not, it doesn't matter. Your your spiritual investment in other people, in community, in service, in multiplication, all of that will bear forth in heaven and, and, and for the glory of God, for the praise of Him. And then finally, to live out Jesus. That's what I love about verse 12, is these guys not only know it, not only received it and know it, they actually do it. I mean, that, that's the best deal, right? Dreams become reality when hope is, is, is bore out. So my challenge to you is to do that. So I'm going to put the one thing up here as we close because I want you to see that out of these verses comes all of this. Jesus has been, is now, and always will be Savior of all. He was working in his as the Spirit of Christ in the Old Testament, then his incarnation in the New. He sits at the right hand of God. He now works and wills and, and examples all that God wants for us. The Holy Spirit's God's indwelling of that. So you've got a great opportunity here to respond in that way. To to really step up and step out even more. Um, I was saying this to a, a pastor buddy of mine earlier this week. Let's not only look forward, let's actually move forward. Because if we don't help the world move forward closer to Jesus, it's going to move forward to something else. And it, it's usually a way. I mean, it's always a way. That's always a way. So let's not just look forward. Let's move forward. In your sufferings, realize there'll be subsequent glories. They'll bring God praise. And start looking at the Bible and the study of it in a different way. And your home life, your work life, everything in a different way. That this service, isn't, it's not about you. We are supposed to serve not ourselves, but others. And, and serve others by fulfilling God's ultimate will. Right? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well, who are you the servant of? Jesus Christ, God the Father, the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. God, we pray that you'll know that. As Christians, we just say thank you, yes and amen, praise you, glory, just honking car horns and and waving our hands and just out loud saying thank you for saving our soul. And thank you for helping us to see this, this big picture that when we were born, you weren't just like, Oh, oops, we got to do something else. But instead, you have, you have started in motion from, from the prophets and, and before that and before that and before that, this motion of salvation. And it brings us a great sense of encouragement. It shows your sovereignty and goes, look, God's still on the throne. He's still in control. No matter what happens, where I live, in my country, my city, my home, God's in control. And that's where I need to be, at the feet of the Master. So Lord, help us to go there as Christians to the feet of the Master. And for all of those in our circle of influence, those people that were around, that were not around, that we love, who we know are not Christians, Lord, we pray that they will become Christians right now. They'll just confess with their mouth that Jesus is Lord. They'll call on the name of the Lord and be saved. And they'll find forgiveness and allow Jesus to be Lord and the leader and the greatest love of their life. And begin that wonderful journey that is Christianity, that is discipleship as the Bible calls it, that is your will and your way. So Lord, please help us in that. Help us who are Christians to do what the prophet did of old for us. To show people, to inquire on Christ, and to help preach and proclaim and to share and to live out and to study and to embody the very grace that saves. Might we be that for everyone we meet wherever we go. And to help them to know we're doing that 
specifically, not just because we're trying to be good people, because we're trying to be godly people, and God desires for them to be saved. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We pray all of these things for the glory of God, so others will become disciples. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.